welcome to the Build Business Acumen Podcast, where we deliver practical knowledge and powerful guidance. Here is your futuristic host, Nathaniel Skula. Today I'm interviewing Max Yoda, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Lessonly, the powerfully simple training software that helps teams learn, practice, and do better work. And he's actually grown that now. He's got 2 million users, so he shares some great insights here. Well, it's great to speak with you again, Max. Not good to be back. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. You shared so much value last time that I just thought it'd be rude not to really, to be honest. Well, it was nice to hang out. So we need to hang out twice and we can hang out three times. So we're on a good trend now. Exactly. I'd like to hang out more. It'd be cool, man. It'd be very well, cool. A pretty good job, aren't we? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so today we're going to talk about learning and development. Initially. Great. Um, and I know because you run, you run Lessonly, you know a hell of a lot about this, a lot more than I do. So I'm going to let you kind of take the, take the floor really and tell me, tell me what you know, Max. Yeah, so over seven years of building Lessonly, uh, we've learned a lot about training because we make training software. So we help people ensure that their training programs are rich and successful and uh, driving return on investment. Uh, over time, we learned that everybody had the same question, and that question was, what am I missing? So people were running training programs, but they didn't know if they were hitting all the beats. Uh, so what we did was we took it upon ourselves to make sure that we spelled out what all the beats were. When I say beats, what I really mean are like the steps in a successful training program. If you're doing these steps, you're probably doing it well. Uh, and then, then filling in kind of details within each one of those steps. We call it the better work training method because lesson is all about helping people do better work. So this is our training method uh, for better work. And it's, it's a six-step method. Okay. It, starts out, it starts out with assessing your, your team and what it needs. So a lot of times in the assessment process, when you're kind of figuring out what do we need to train on, you talk to managers a lot, and then you roll out a training program. We, we highly encourage you to both speak to uh, managers and uh, also contributors because uh, contributors know what they need. So sitting down with contributors, doing some quick interviews and saying things like, what are you missing? What keeps you up at night? What question do you not want to be asked uh, that if we could enable you on that uh, answer, you'd feel a lot more comfortable? Get that feedback. Find the place where there's some overlap. Uh, you might find out that cross-selling rates in your business uh, need to go up. So we're able to sell a product, but we're not able to cross-sell. And you might find out that that's something that is uh, affecting both employees and the management team. If the management team doesn't hit that number, uh, nobody gets, uh, no, nobody uh, feels successful. Uh, if the individual contributors don't hit that number, they don't feel successful, but they also don't make as much money. So it's really important that we train on that. Once we've understood on the assessment, um, the assessment phase what we're gonna train on, we move to the plan phase. We have our cross-selling, and we know that we need to plan, uh, plan around how we're gonna help people cross-sell better. So, when you're in the planning stage, think about it in two ways. We're building the plan for what our training's gonna look like. Is it all gonna be on demand, uh, you know, computer-based? Is it gonna be in instructor-led in the classroom? Are we gonna do role-playing? You're planning that, but you're also thinking, who do I need to have on this, uh, on this committee for this training program to make sure it goes really well? Who are the key stakeholders? Uh, so this is where you're kind of building your team. And this team could be there simply for feedback, or they could be people who help you pull off those role plays or those on-demand trainings. Uh, either way, surround yourself with a few key folks who can, can help bounce ideas off of. So during the planning stage, the first, first idea is get a draft for what you think uh, your cross-selling training is going to look like, and then very quickly share that draft out with people who are ultimately going to need to take it. Ask them, what am I missing? If the draft is six steps, or let's, let's make it easier. If the draft is a three-step program, two lessons, uh, one, one instructor-led session, 
run those lessons in the instructor-led session by your learners, uh, by the people who are ultimately going to take it and say, anything else we're missing? What do you like about this? Just basically have them poke holes in it. Invite them to poke holes in it. Tell them it's your napkin sketch and you need their help. Uh, yeah. When you're, when you're uh, finished with the planning phase, we move to the third phase, which is the build phase. So I'll catch you up now. We've assessed, we've yeah. planned, and we've built. Mm -hmm. And now we're in the building phase. Uh, those first three stages are really the stages for the subject matter experts, the managers, and the trainers to make sure they get everything aligned. The next three stages are really all about the learner. We're on the build stage now. You've identified what you need. You've got two on-demand lessons. You've got an instructor-led session. Uh, what's going to go into those lessons? This, the build stage is a place where a lot of training programs fall down. And here's why they fall down. They get stuck building way too long. People tend to try to perfect training, uh, what they call training modules, because their experience with training modules is this really high fidelity experience with these, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a production. Um, that's not what people have ever really asked for when you really dig into it. Nobody was like, you know what I need for my training is this highly interactive production. Here's what they need from their training. They need it to feel like they're being heard and they need it to feel like they're being helped. If they feel heard and helped, it's going to be great training. I don't care how interactive it is. Just listen to them, help them. Uh, so in the build stage, it's really important that you move fast, uh, not, not, not a, a dangerously fast, but get your first draft of those lessons out and back in front of the learners quickly. Take an hour and then put them back in front of the learners. You're going to learn so much if you get out of the vacuum of your head. So please, please, please get out of the vacuum of your head. Once you've, uh, once you've assessed, you've planned, you've built, now we learn and we practice. So now we've given the lessons out to the learners. Ideally, we've embedded practice scenarios in the lessons so that the learners can practice the things we're teaching them, give them a way to kind of test the muscle in a safe environment, and then we give them feedback. And we, of course, give them feedback in the instructor-led sessions. We coach. Uh, we tell people where their opportunities for growth are. We tell people where their strengths are. And then, lastly, we look at performance. So I'm going to walk you back through the six steps. We assess, plan, build. Then we learn, practice, and perform. The perform part is really where we get to sit back and say, how do we do? Uh, during the performance part, uh, uh, the, 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 the teammate goes out and tries to cross-sell, and we have our benchmarks for how cross-selling went earlier, and then we have our benchmarks for how cross-selling is going today, and we look, did we move the needle? Ideally, when we set those benchmarks for what cross-selling was, we, we, we said where we wanted it to be after the training program so we could find out, did we do our jobs or not? If we did do our jobs, great, we can move on to the next training initiative. If we didn't, let's reassess. Maybe we, maybe we reassess uh, and jump back over and maybe uh, change the learning. Maybe we jump back and change the practice. Maybe we go through the whole uh, cycle again and say, hey, how do we make sure we nail this a second time? That help? Yeah, for sure. So, so really, it's starting out with the goal in mind, how you want to develop that goal. Exactly. And the result that you actually want to achieve from the training, yeah? And then yes. break it down into very, very small steps and get feedback whilst you're building the course, right? Because Amen. you can build a course. You could take six months building a course. By the time you've built it, it's irrelevant, you know. It's irrelevant, yeah. yeah People are like, I needed that six months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've built a course before, and it took ages to build it. And it's like, by the time you built it, it, everyone else is doing the same course. So you may as well just not bother. You may as well just just build it as you go, right? Yeah, Tell we call it... We call it speed optimized. I'm sorry to cut you off. We, we, there's kind of there's there's high fidelity training and there's speed optimized training. You right. want speed optimized training because, like I said, if it's help, if it's if people feel heard and helped, they're gonna love it. Uh, and we're really comfortable with uh, with a lack of high fidelity in our training content. Just look at YouTube. Uh, if you want something solved in your house, you're totally comfortable learning it from a person with an iPhone. Yeah. Just so long as you're getting helped. 
it doesn't matter the production quality. It just matters that it helps you. Uh, we're very comfortable with uh, speed optimized content that might be text-based, might be an iPhone video, might be a screenshot. We do it all the time. We don't walk into work and then all of a sudden get really snobby about it. We still don't mind yeah. if, 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 as long as it's helpful. Well, otherwise it doesn't get done. Everyone, get done. there are a lot of perfectionists down, the, down at the, uh, the job queue, you know. You bet. You bet. <laughs> yeah, we need to get it done. You are so yeah. right. I, I've never heard that phrase and I don't know if you just made it up, but yeah. No, it's true. Get it done, man. A lot of in the job queue, man. My, I, of one of my mentors, he, he, he hates perfectionists. If someone says to him, that he says in a job interview, he'll ask them, you know, about themselves. And if they went mention the word and they say, I'm a perfectionist, he would just run a mile. <laughs> you, you know, know I, learned, I learned something recently about perfectionism. It was that that is when we think about vulnerability and people kind of being, uh, being genuine and, and, uh, and saying, you know, I'm good at this and I'm not so good at that. And I'm really excited about this, but I'm really scared of that. One of, one of the things that people uh, try to do to protect themselves from vulnerability is perfectionism. Uh, kind of the armor up uh, is the phrase that I think Brene Brown uses. Uh, to protect themselves from their vulnerability, so they try to be perfectionists, and that just ends up hurting everybody. That's not that's not good for them. That's not good for their teammates. Uh, it's just a net negative across the board. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. So, really, it's a mindset of growth. Right? Right. You need you need to have a mindset of growth. You need to be supported. I mean, anyone in work today has to have a mindset of growth because if you don't you you are going to end up i'm not going to say you're going to be out of work but i'm going to say that you will probably end up not enjoying your job as much as you could enjoy it because of the way modern technology is kind of moving ahead so quickly it, it's everything is changing so you know upskilling and learning is absolutely key to to what we're doing right so you know but you just got to have fun. Like it's all about having fun, isn't it? And if you're not having fun, then you need to perhaps look at doing something else in your career anyway, really. Yeah. I think, I think you need to under, I think you need to know uh, that you're not expected to have all the answers. Um, I think we need to just kind of reset the standard. Like you are, you are allowed to not have all the answers. Of course, of course that's the case. There's way too many questions. You're not going to have all the answers. You, you're allowed to ask, uh, you're allowed to say, I don't know. You're allowed to ask, what makes you say that? You're allowed to say, help me understand. Um, it doesn't matter what position you're in in a company. You don't have to have all the answers. Your job is to learn the answers. And when you're learning the answers, you can ask a lot of questions. And guess what? You'll be a better teammate for it. Yeah, I agree completely. So I think, I think that's learning and development wrapped up really nicely. I think a lot of people will learn a lot from that. And awesome. I, can't, I can't sort of think of anything that we've missed on that one. To be, to be honest, I think. Great. I think that was, I hope it was concise. Very cool. I think it feels pretty concise. Yeah, it's very cool. So in terms of feedback, yeah, before, before yeah. you know, we get into the real conversation about feedback, you know, I, I, I've got my best prop out again, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is, to anyone who's watching, this it is just looks like the 3D every, middle finger. I get it every time for Max. <laughs> It, it feels like every time you pull that up that it looks like you've got a really small hand that is golden <laughs> until you get it all the way up. It's classic. But my friend, would, my friend, would be Eric, what's oh, that? Sorry, no. <laughs> no, please. It would just be quite hilarious to learn that you have a gold hand um, in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but my friend Eric made me a, a 3D printed uh, middle finger to anyone that's listening to this on a, on audio. Anyhow. So in terms of like feedback, right, we're trying to, we're trying to, 
we're trying to basically get better. We're trying to learn and we're trying to improve, right? Because that's what feedback's all about, isn't it? But, yep. but if you're giving feedback to people publicly that is negative, then it's going to hurt them and it's going to damage the way they feel towards their colleagues and then their colleagues will look at them differently. So I think the first place to start is asking you. I mean, you've got, you run a company, you've got over 100 people and you yeah. know a lot about learning and development. So when you're giving people feedback, if it's negative, you're going to give it to them in private, right? You're not, you're not going to publicly chastise Correct. them, are you? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to give praise. You want to give public positive praise. Uh, but yeah, you don't want to be chastising somebody in public. That's just going to make everybody else scared to take a chance. Right. Right. So that's going to harm the whole culture of the business or the, or the, or the, or the entity that you're, that you're working for. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So with feedback, how do you go about it? Sure. I, I, first, I try to get people in, in a mental model that I think is a really healthy one, uh, which is really talking about, hey, if I have something in my teeth, um, I could walk around all day and, uh, and nobody might tell me that I have something in my teeth. Have you ever seen somebody with something in their teeth and you've just kind of let it go? I, I know I have. And I, and I, look, I look back on those situations uh, and, and I put myself in the shoes of that person with something in their teeth. And I think how bad of a feeling it is to have walked around all day and then finally at the end of the day end up in front of a mirror and go, wow. <laughs> it could be worse yeah but it could be worse they could like they could like have a have a toilet roll like out the back of their trousers do you know what i mean no doubt no doubt it's just embarrassing <laughs> it's just embarrassing to not know to yeah. not be able to see something that everybody else can see and that's the main thing i want to take away from it we know how embarrassing it is when everybody else wasn't telling us something mm -hmm. um the nice thing about having something in our physical teeth is we have mirrors for that sort of thing we can just right. end up in front of a mirror and eventually we'll, we'll get there we'll come to the realization the same is not true for our behaviors. So I like to think about our behavioral teeth. We have things in our behaviors that people don't tell us about just like they don't tell us about things in our teeth. And just like we'd want them to tell us about things in our teeth because we don't like walking around not realizing that we're maybe making a mistake. Maybe we're uh, making somebody or hurting somebody without realizing it. Maybe we're, we're cutting somebody off and not listening to their, uh, to their full idea and we're just kind of summarily uh, judging them and throwing it out. Any one of those behaviors, any behavior that kind of decreases communication and creates pain, uh, it could be stuck in our teeth. So I encourage people, uh, be, just like I really appreciate people who speak up when I have something in my actual teeth, and I like it when they do it in a, in a kind way, like they pull me aside and say, hey, Max, you got something in your teeth. I really appreciate people who pull me aside and say, hey, Max, you got something in your behavioral teeth. A really, a really easy example is one time I wore a T-shirt to a, uh, to a clock, customer meeting and the customer's culture was not necessarily t-shirt friendly. Our culture's t-shirt friendly. I, I wore uh, a t-shirt to a place that really wasn't. And they didn't make me feel badly about it. But one of my teammates pulled me aside and said, um, hey, this is a customer of ours. Uh, let's try to think about their dress code uh, as opposed to our dress code. You know, like let's show respect for how, how they like to, to hey, behave this, instead of how we like to behave. And I, this, and I totally get that. This is it. T-shirt. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. And I can show up in a T-shirt here. We're relaxed. Yeah. Uh, but, but their point was. But sometimes I will wear a shirt. Right? It doesn't matter if I'm wearing my pajama bottoms, but I will wear a shirt. <laughs> and, and, and you're allowed. Uh, uh -huh. my, my, teammate just, my teammate just asked me politely uh, to maybe dress up. Uh, on certain client engagements. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh man, how did I not notice that? But it was something in my teeth. It was just, it just in my teeth. I, uh, I needed to be reminded that, uh, 
that I, you know, that wasn't the right call. And then there's much, there's much more serious things like where maybe I'm in a meeting and uh, like I said, I might uh, not be, uh, not listen as closely to somebody's uh, comment. And maybe I say, yeah, great, great. Let's come back to that. And maybe I don't come back to it. Somebody can tell me, hey, Max, you need to come back to comments when you tell me you're going to come back to them. Yeah. It could be little things. That could also be big things. You know, I could, uh, I could have really upset somebody and they want to have a difficult conversation with me. What I really appreciate is when they tell me when something's in my teeth. Uh, and I like it when they take it uh, from the angle of this is me proving I really like you, Max. Because you know what the easiest thing to do if you don't like somebody is just kind of walk away and say that's their problem. When somebody comes to me and, and makes it clear to me that they uh, want us to do better work together and want our company to do its best work, uh, it means a lot to me that they sit down and give me their perspective. Uh, it, it, in, in, a, in our first uh, uh, conversation together, we talked about nonviolent communication as a really solid approach uh, and a really solid way to, to share your perspective in a way that won't uh, offend people and will leave them open and receptive to your message. So I, I, I recommend everybody revisits nonviolent communication um, I have a little excerpt of it also in my book. It's called Do Better Work that talks about having difficult conversations and all this. Oh, either yeah. way, you launched. either way. Yeah, it's launched. I'm yeah, sorry man. to interrupt you, but you, you launched that. I'm really excited to read that. Really excited. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, yeah, you send me, send me your address. I'll send you a copy. Yeah, I'd yeah. Love to. yeah, yeah. We did um, that last time. <laughs> but you right. well, I, I apologize. Okay, I'll send I apologize. I'll send I, I just need to get you a copy. It, it, okay. it, I'll check with the marketing team to see if it's already out there, but if it's not, I'll make it's sure. It's all right, man. It. We'll get there. So you need to sign it for me though, Matt. I need, I need it signed. Okay. Like, okay. Very important. I think if anyone's listening it. to this, if you ever get a book from an author, and I always get books from authors, I'm very lucky. And even yeah. if I buy them, yeah, I, I actually get them to sign them. I will go and meet with them on purpose just to get them to sign the book. I think it's very important. I will make sure I sign it. Yeah, I'll make sure I sign it. Thank you. There's a whole chapter on difficult conversations. Cool. Uh, and, you know, giving feedback, it's just so important. We, did, we, we owe it to one another. It's very, yeah, but it's really difficult, isn't it? Because, because you've kind of got the ego there, right? Which everyone has an ego. And, it, you know, it's not a bad thing unless you're unaware of it and you let, let it take control of your entire life, right? But the thing is, is that it can hurt, yeah? Like, feedback can really hurt, Yeah. If it's done in the right way, I mean, I've got quite a few mentors, yeah, and sometimes they'll just kick me, you know, and it's awful. Like it really hurts at the time, but the thing, yeah. then you turn around and you look at how you've changed because of their engagement with you and because they what they've said to you, and you might, you know, take longer to write an email in future. You might, you might change the way that you write an email. You might take five times longer and, and, and move things around and then, you know, condense what you've written. And, you know, it could be all sorts of things that you're obtaining feedback for, right? But sure. it's, it's understanding the fact that it's going to make your life better, you know? And I think that's, that's yeah. a really difficult one because we're all human, right? And our egos and our pride sit in front of us quite a lot of the time. And it's, it's a difficult, it's very difficult yeah. for me, you know, um, in particular. No, you're not alone. You're not alone. Everybody's got an ego. And I think if you're a manager, it's incumbent on you to set that ego aside as best you can. Because the more defiant you get towards somebody's feedback, just, just don't expect a lot of feedback if you're going to be defiant toward other people's feedback. And, and if you're not getting a lot of feedback, I'd be nervous if I'm a manager. You know, oh. if, if the flow of information isn't coming my way, I'd be nervous. So if you're managing people, I think, hey, you have a responsibility to find ways to put your ego aside and just listen. Um, you can vent to your husband, your wife, your partner later, uh, but you just have to listen in those moments. Because if you make that person feel like they shouldn't do this ever again, 
well, they probably won't do it ever again. Um, but you're totally right. Uh, we have uh, a really tough time receiving feedback. I, I like to think about it like this. If I don't get feedback uh, that could be very, very helpful to me, I could live with that behavior in a chronic way. I could keep it with me week over week, month over month, year over yeah. year. If I'm willing to engage in the acute stress of listening to somebody's uh, critique uh, of my behavior or, or letting, having somebody tell me what they observed from me and how, they, how it makes them feel, I can make that acute stress instead of chronic stress. So I can chronically live with that behavior that creates chronic stress, or I can have an acute moment of stress where I can learn from it and then get past it. And I'd much rather have the acute moment of stress. Yeah, than yeah, chronic stress. yeah. And that and that enables change, very fast it change. Enables change. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it helps you do better work, right? That's like your motto, isn't it? Do that's the that's the jam. That's the jam. That's what we're here for. Well, that's, yeah. That's there's a it. Lot, you know, there's a lot of headroom for doing better work. Yeah. You know, we we've got a pretty low bar for what we think is. Uh, employment and kind of teamwork these days uh, and I, I hear a lot of people uh, who just really hunger for a lot a lot more compassion and a lot more camaraderie and just a lot more clarity at work you know what are we after why are we going there those 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 questions are not always answered yeah we like much very much so I mean I was interviewing some guys from Microsoft the other day and and they it was really interesting and they were just talking about just finding out what makes people tick because it might be something completely different like for me it might be like money or it might be holidays or travel or um, time to work on a, something at home or, you know, there, there are certain drivers that sit behind us. And I think that's really important as an element to all of this learning, development, feedback, growth. It's all related. It's all tied together. And that will be that will be an interesting episode. I think you'll like that one, actually. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Live. And you're right. Knowing how people are driven, it means it makes a big difference. If I understand how you're driven, then I can um, make things relate to you. But if I don't understand how you're driven, well, I'm probably going to be speaking at, uh, I'm going to probably try to be teaching you things the way I want to be taught as opposed to the way you want to be taught. Exactly. Exactly. And I think just making it fun, right? Trying to, trying to just give the feedback, but actually just, just make sure that when you're giving the feedback that you don't, you're not too harsh, like be a bit, be a bit sensitive. I mean, you know, no doubt. Because some people are really empathetic, like they, they feel a lot from others. Yeah. Other people are a lot more hard nosed and they don't really feel things as much. So it's kind of like understanding, I think, also the person that you are talking to, but okay. also being aware that perhaps they might not actually feel anything for what you're saying. So then you've got to just change your communication method, haven't you? And sort of just explain to them in a way that motivates them to change, I suppose. It's super helpful to know what the person's communication style is, what their processing style is. Uh, you can learn things like uh, from Predictive Index, and, uh, which is an assessment. Uh, I use Advisa for Predictive Index, and they're a company that helps me kind of understand how people are wired. One of the things that I can see from that is if people are high patience or high, high formality, uh, generally on high patients, they like to process, they need a little more time. So having a difficult conversation and then saying, let's revisit this tomorrow is a way better call than, Hey, I dropped this on you. We got to talk about it right now. They just, you know, they're not, they're not in the place to process. Other people want to process it right away. And so, and, and that's a level of empathy, right? Understanding where the person's at, how they feel, uh, and, and, uh, making sure that you are being thoughtful about how, where they're at and how they feel. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, Max, you've been very generous with your time. I know you've got another meeting in three minutes. I appreciate this a lot. It was fun. And book time, it's book time.
Oh yeah. I'll get, I'll get to that address. I, I, I can't, I can't wait to read it. I'm really, really interested because my brain is just going like this right now. It's totally exploding with all the knowledge. Like, if you're on Facebook, join the Elite Tech News group and you'll... I'm not. I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll just check out the podcast because I've got, I've got so many great episodes coming in the next great. next three weeks, four weeks. It's going to be just insane. <laughs> Rock and roll, man. Good, good job. Good job. And uh, I want to make sure... I know I wrote down your address. I just want to make sure I've got it in here and that I've got everything. Don't worry. I'll, see if Mark... I'll, um, I'll drop it over to you. No problem. And if people want... To, I, uh, I apologize for the delay. It's all right. If people want to learn more about Lessonly, they need to visit Lessonly.com. That's LessonLY.com, right? LessonLY.com. Yep. That's, that's perfect. And you can get the book at DoBetter.Work. So www.DoBetter.Work. Nice. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe and wherever you prefer, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed the show, drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen.